Well, one of the things that's been really difficult about this lockdown has been the strain that has been put on families. And yeah, there have been some nice silver linings here and there, um, like baking and sourdough and pea with Joe Wicks. Um, but actually, many people are feeling, and a recent poll of over 2,000 parents um, revealed that overall, the lockdown has had a negative effect on families' health and well-being. Uh, parents are under massive pressure, trying to juggle childcare and housework and paid employment. And studies are showing that children have been really struggling to cope with increased emotional difficulties and behavioural problems. Separation and social distancing and isolation is not good for families. Um, my sister and my brother-in-law and their little girl, my niece, uh, live in the next village along to my parents. And so my niece hasn't been able to see her grandparents uh, or hug them or spend time with them or do all the things that families are supposed to do, except from, you know, at the end of a driveway for months. Mercifully, things are loosening up now and we're coming out of this lockdown. And as we do so, families of whatever shape and size are going to be such a crucial source of strength and life and encouragement and support. Well, we're in this new season, uh, this new series, asking what sort of a church do we want to be? What kind of church is God calling us to be at this time? Um, as we're in a, a season of transition as a, as a church and the whole world and our society is, is in a season of transition, as we come out of the other side, what kind of a church will the future require of us and how uh, should we be? And we had a staff planning morning recently where we were asking that question and we all just had little post-it notes and we were just taking some time to write down, well, what sort of a church do we want to be? And we wrote down loads and loads of different words. And the number one word that came back that we all uh, felt was family. We want to be a family church. And I want us to think about this morning what it means for the church to be a family, what the Bible has got to say about um, the church being a family. And you have to forgive me, I'll be a little bit naughty and jump uh, all around various different passages. And so uh, hopefully you'll be able to keep up. Um, but we're going to look, first of all, at Hebrews 2. Um, because somebody might say, well, is the church really a family? Uh, I go to church, you know, I'm a religious person, I worship God, I have a faith. But maybe I wouldn't necessarily describe it in terms of being like a family. Well, Hebrews 2 makes it really crystal clear that the church is a family. Verse 10 says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that's what uh, Jesus has done, brought sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, that is Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, that's you and me, are of the same family. So it says Jesus is not ashamed to call them, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And so what this is saying is that Jesus has redefined the family. His whole work was about creating a new family of brothers and sisters, not who pray my father, but we all pray our father. He's redefined the family. He's made us a family. Um, when somebody said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside, 
he said, who are my mother and brothers? They're right here. It's you guys. You're my, uh, my bro- mother and brothers and sisters. So given the fact that St Mark's is a family, theologically speaking, you know, whether we've realised it up to this point, whether we like it or not, we are a family. What should that mean for us? And uh, I've got three marks, three biblical marks of what a church family should be. Three prayers for us as we um, come out of this season of transition, as we go into the future. Our church family should be united, we should be committed, and we should be devoted. A biblical church family is united, committed, and devoted. First of all, united. Turn to uh, Galatians 3. And verse 26 says, So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As we've just heard, that's what Jesus has done. He's made us children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither... Jew nor Gentile, in other words, there's no racial division or distinction. There's neither slave nor free, so there's no socioeconomic division, nor is there male and female, no biological division. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in the church family, there is unity. We're united. There's no division, no separation. All are included. All are welcomed. Now, there's obviously a lot of thinking going on at the moment about the tragic continuing existence of racial division in our society and in the church. And we've been thinking about this as a church and we've begun a conversation about race at St Mark's a few weeks ago um, following the death of George Floyd. And since then, I've been reading Martin Luther King's autobiography, which I can really recommend if anybody's after some summer reading. And in that book, it includes his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, which he wrote from prison. And it was in response to a letter which had been signed by eight white uh, clergymen who were thinking that Martin Luther King was going a bit over the top and maybe he just needed to be a bit more moderate and and calm down a bit. And so from his jail cell, he wrote uh, this response. And in it, he lamented the fact that the church is called to be a thermostat, setting the temperature. But so often the church has been a thermometer, reflecting and responding to the surrounding temperature. The church is supposed to be headlights lighting the way, but so often they've been taillights struggling to catch up. And so wouldn't it be amazing for us to just pray that our church family would be headlights, not taillights, that we would be a thermometer setting the surrounding temperature. Let's pray that our family, our church family would be united, that Galatians 3.28 would be true in our family, that there'd be no division, that everybody would be welcome, that everybody would feel that they belong. Let's pray that anybody who has up to this point felt marginalised or excluded for whatever reason would feel drawn in because families are united. We're all children of God. We are all one in Christ Jesus. A church family, let's pray, we would be uh, united, but secondly, committed. Uh, Acts chapter 2. 
And these are famous verses which describe the fellowship of the believers. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says of the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wouldn't you love to belong to a church family like that? Um, and several years ago, actually, at St Mark's, we'd begun a new home group and um, we were getting together for the first time. And as we began this home group, on the first evening we got together, we had a meal and uh, then we had a Bible study. And I thought it'd be great to look at these verses as we sort of started on this journey together as a new group. Uh, let's look to this um, to see what our priorities should be. And so we said, well, yeah, first of all, verse 42, we need to have um, the apostles teaching. And so we're going to have a Bible study. We're going to devote ourselves to the teaching of the apostles in the Bible. Firstly, uh, we're going to have fellowship. Yes, tick, we want that. Breaking of bread. We've already had a meal. We're going to, you know, prioritise food together. And, and to prayer. We always, of course, we've got to pray. So we have those four things. Tick, tick, tick. Um, brilliant. So I thought, well, um, job done. Let's end the Bible study. We can pray. All go home. Wonderful. But Andy Moore, uh, who was preaching a couple of weeks ago and who at that time was at St Mark's and was uh, part of this group, he said, hang on a minute. Um, yes, this was brilliant. And, and it was amazing. Look at it. But, you know, verse 43, everybody was filled with awe. Verse 46, they had glad and sincere hearts. You know, they praised God and enjoyed the favour of all the people. They grew. But surely that was because they were so committed one of the reasons must have been, I mean, do we spot the fact that they met every day? Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, how are we not going to meet every day, surely, this home group? I mean, we've got jobs, we've got lives, we're not going to meet every day. And we sort of thought that actually, surely one of the reasons why this was such a special fellowship was because they actually were so committed as a family. And we thought, well, even if we might not meet every day, but surely we can meet every week. And that's what we did. Um, in the conversation that we had about race a couple of weeks ago, somebody was saying about the fact that they felt that they had more of a sense of belonging at their gym than they have done at church. And I think we all just felt, how tragic is that? And that's not right. And perhaps part of that reason is because of the first thing. Maybe they were more united as um, a gym. But I think perhaps actually it was also to do with probably the fact that if, if this was a CrossFit gym. And if you know anything about CrossFit, they are committed and um, it's like a family. And maybe it was because this gym was so committed that this person felt that they really belonged as part of the family. And I'm sure that's true. Um, Francis Chan in his book, Letters to the Church, which actually, uh, if you also ask some summer reading, I really recommend this as well. It's brilliant and really timely for us um, as a church as we're asking what season... Um, what we should be as we come out of this season of transition. Francis Chan uh, describes the experience of somebody who became a Christian in his church out of uh, having been a gang member. And uh, his life had to change and he had to leave his gang behind as he joined the church. But <laughs> lamentably, 
um, it seemed that the gang often had a better idea of what it meant to be committed and what it meant to be a family than the church did. And let me just read this. When Rob describes gang life, much of it sounds like what the church is meant to be. Obviously, there are major differences, drugs, murder, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but the idea of being a family is central to both gang life and God's design for the church. Yet while we use family terminology in our churches, Rob's stories have convinced me that the gangs have a much stronger sense of what it means to be a family than we do as the church. From what you know about gangs, could you ever imagine gang life being reduced to a one-hour weekly gathering? No group would meet briefly once a week and call that a gang. Imagine gang, one gang member walking up to another and saying, yo, how was gang? I had, to meet, I had to miss this week because life has been crazy. We all know enough about gangs to know that that's ridiculous. Yet every week we hear Christians asking each other, how was church? Something that God has designed to function as a family has been reduced to an optional weekly meeting. And this has become the norm expected. How in the world do we get here? Any gang member will tell you that his homies have his back. They're there for him. They're loyal, committed, present. Well, we should pray that we'd be united as a church. Let's pray that we'd be committed as a church family. But thirdly, and most importantly, our church family should be devoted. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We should be devoted to one another in love. And uh, here Paul writes to another church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family, there's that word again, throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, Hannah and I were at a socially distant barbecue uh, with some friends um, who belonged to another church. And I brought up one of my sort of pet kind of favourite hobby horses of a conversation, which is the challenge that the geographical sort of transience of London living presents to the local church. I mean, everybody's so spread out, everybody's so kind of, you know, um, uh, and not necessarily here for that long. And that's a real challenge um, to what it means for us to be united and committed to being the local church. And uh, the fact that the lockdown has really magnified that challenge because geography has become even less relevant as everybody who's been working from home now has discovered we can be anywhere we want. And so London's population has been draining as people have been escaping the city as they can work from anywhere. And that's something that we really need to think about, I believe, as a church. Um, what you know, the locality uh, means for our church family. Uh, we had somebody sign up to Alpha, our recent Alpha course that's just started, somebody signed up from Japan. Well, how does all of that work um, as a church and how should the church of the future respond? And so I asked uh, this friend of mine what his thoughts were about that. And I asked him, what role do you think the internet should have in the church of the future? And he immediately said, none. Rather provocatively, I'm sure he's overstating his point. Um, but he said, we can't be a church over the internet. It, it's impossible theologically for us to perform the one another's. 
by which he means all of the various different biblical commands to bear with one another in love and be patient with one another and practice hospitality towards one another and care for one another. And uh, uh, there are 59 of these one another's, including most oft repeated throughout the New Testament, love one another, verse 9, about your love for one another. And his point was, and I think he's got a point, that if the church is supposed to be a family, which it is according to verse 10, and if we ought to be devoted to loving one another, which we ought to be according to verse 9, then that is made much, much more difficult, if not impossible, if a church family is geographically disconnected and separated from each other, as I bet anybody who hasn't hugged their mum or, or their granny for the last three months will probably agree. Yes, our church family, let's pray that we would be united. Let's pray that we would be headlights and not taillights as we tear down the barriers of division. Yes, our church family should be committed. And uh, let's pray that we'd be more committed to each other than any gang, than any gym. But we have got something which no other community, no other organisation can say they have, which is that at the heart of our family is the supernatural love of God who gave himself for us in loving devotion to tear down our dividing walls and to bring us together and to enable us to be a family. The love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit to bring us together as a family that is devoted to loving one another. So what kind of a church should we be? Let's be a family. Let's be a family church. I'd like, actually, if I may, to ban the word congregation. Uh, I've discovered that apparently the word congregation, it's a collective noun for crocodiles and alligators. Uh, if you've got a group of crocodiles or alligators, it's a congregation of crocodiles or alligators. And I actually would like to say that that is the only time that the word congregation should be used, as in describing crocodiles. I'd like us to ban the word congregation. I think we should have a swear jar at St Mark's, um, which obviously nobody swears because we're all Christians. Uh, but any time anybody says the word congregation, I want us to go, <clears throat> you've got to put a pound in the jar. We're not a congregation. We're a family. Let's pray we'd be a family. And we might not feel like it right now. And it might have been hard for us during the lockdown, as it's been hard for all families. And we might feel, well, nobody's treated me like I'm family. Um, I haven't been um, uh, welcomed in like that. I don't feel like we've been um, united or committed or nobody's been devoted to me. Well, let's not wait for somebody else. Let's not wait for somebody else to start showing that, us that kind of family commitment. Uh, Jesus didn't say, you know, wait until somebody else uh, loves you until you are going to show love to them. He said, do to others as you would have them do to you. So can we all, let, let me, let's just pray that we would lean in and we would become a family together, as indeed, of course, we are already doing. And I love the way that Paul writes to the churches and says, you know, love one another. But verse 10, and in fact, you do already love God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, do so more and more. And that's my prayer for us as a church family. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you have made us a family, that on the cross you have brought us together 
reconciled us to God our Father, and that has made us sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. And I pray that as we emerge out of this lockdown and into whatever society looks like on the other side, that we as St Mark's would be a family church, that we'd be united, that there'd be no dividing walls, that everybody would feel welcomed and included, that there'd be no hostility, there'd be no division among us. I pray that we'd be committed, that those of us who'd just been on the edges and not really feeling like we were there and we really belonged would actually lean in and commit, just like that early church did. But most of all, we pray that you would so infuse us with your love that we would be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Would your love reign in our hearts and be the special marker that everybody would know by this, everyone would know that we are your church family because we love one another. Help us to be this kind of family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.